Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Gordon Mott from the Great Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are, Dal- are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we, um, we give you thanks for the gift of the day. We ask you to grant us the grace that we need to, to grow in holiness this day and every day. And in particular, help us to really kind of explore what it means to, to live a life of Christian service. We ask all this in your most holy and perfect name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, the theme of today's show, I thought we could talk about service and kind of the different dimensions of it. Ideally, I think that it's best to kind of come at it from the Beatitudes and from the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, because I think we're used to this idea of mem- of memorizing lists, right? Like every cradle Catholic had to memorize these lists and then you got confirmed and then those lists didn't matter anymore. And I think those lists actually have a lot to say about each other and about an authentic Christian life. Hmm. Um, so I thought maybe we could start with uh, an exhortation from Pope John Paul II at World Youth Day in 2000, which I think is just money. He says, it's Jesus, in fact, that you seek when you dream of happiness. He's waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He's the beauty to which you are attracted It is he who provokes you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the mask of a false life. It is he who reads in your hearts your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives, the will to follow an ordeal, an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be grounded down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently, to improving yourselves and society, to making the world more human and fraternal, which, wow, you know. Um, but okay, so let's let's kind of step through the uh, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy first, right? It's like so, the corporal works of mercy are ones that deal with people physically, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe we can just kind of take turns going down that list and just like kind of give a a little short explanation about what we're really getting at here. Right. So feeding the hungry, you know, we tend to think that's just, you know, so yeah, it's the first corporal work of mercy. I get this, but we tend to think of that in times of, in terms of extremes, I think, right. It's like, Oh, well, okay. So uh, make sure that the, the homeless people, you know, are, are cared for, but odds are that we have friends that are having to do without. And some of them are having a hard time stretching meals and stuff. And so, Feeding the hungry can also equally apply to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jonathan, you want to? We just kind of keep going around. Do you want to do the second one? Yeah, give drink to the thirsty. I think that ties into what you were just saying. Um, I think you know before we delve into it too. I, I would like to. Um, I don't want to hijack the show. Obviously, we're going to get back into this, but it, it is fascinating that these are a list of actions that our Lord. Um, commands us to do oh yeah mm-hmm. whereas i think there's a lot of um a lot of mis- there's a misunderstanding i think especially with our protestant brothers and sisters between faith and works 
And I think that there's a false dichotomy there, as if those two things um, are you do you have one and you do the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas these works are really supposed to be born out of your faith, yeah, right? And yeah. and your love for Christ. Um, one that these these here too, the corporal works of mercy are literally what Christ said. If you do these for the least among you, you do them for me. Right. Right. I mean, these. This isn't just a list of good things that the Catholic Church wrote down one day and said these are what you should do. Yeah, exactly. To show mercy. Right. Well, but these are when Jesus said, "Whoever you fed, you fed, you me. fed me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when you didn't feed him, you didn't feed right. me. So and be gone from me. Exactly. And that's the definition of charity: mm-hmm. is love of God and love of other people for God. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point. And so this is really born out of a deep faith and love for God that it's so powerful that it 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 is exemplified in your very life in yeah. these wonderful actions. Oh, absolutely. Person, and so. I think that's great that you kind of took that little side road, right? Because it's an important side road to take. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so like there's two kind of common, you know, um, objections to, to doing works, right? It's like, number one is like, well, my, my faith is, you know, faith alone and like, Listen, you know, I don't do my works because I'm trying to purchase my way into heaven. I, right, right. You know, I do works because I love Jesus, and yeah. so I can't bring myself not to. But the other thing tends to kind of be born out of a lack of time or perceived lack of ability, right? And, or that, you know, people that do these kind of things, oh, well, I'm not Mr. High and Mighty over there, you know, like, he thinks he's better than me. Like, no, none yeah. of this is because of that. Right, right. And Pope Francis dealt with this brilliantly um, in his address on 16th January 2018. He said, we're not here because we're better than others. We're not superheroes who stoop down from the heights to encounter mere mortals. Rather, we are sent as men and women conscious of having been forgiven. And that is the source of our joy. And, you know, for the objection about like woundedness, like, oh, I'm not good enough, right? He even deals with that. He says, Jesus Christ doesn't appear to his disciples without his wounds. Those very wounds enabled Thomas to profess his faith. We're not asked to ignore or hide our wounds. Mm. A church with wounds can understand the wounds of today's world and make them her own, suffering with them, accompanying with them, and seeking to heal them. A wounded church does not make herself the center of things, does not believe that she is perfect, but puts at the center the one who can heal those wounds whose name is Jesus Christ. Right? And so then a lot of times, you know, this this idea of like having an intimate knowledge of being on the receiving end of God's mercy and of his love, right? And have having been fed by somebody, you know, who saw that I was hurting or gave drink, who saw that I was thirsty, right? Uh, or when we do these things, the, these all just, they kind of make us more human. Mm-hmm. You know? The, um, but, okay, well, you want to continue, Dalton? Go with the third? Oh, the third one. The third one is to clothe the naked. You know, that one I, we take, most people give their old clothes away or something, you know, take them, especially when you see national disaster. I saw it firsthand um, when Hurricane Harvey came to Texas Mm -hmm. and just destroyed people's homes and they lost everything except the suitcase they were able to evacuate with Mm -hmm. or something. Um, And tons of people came out, people of goodwill bringing food and water and and clothing. Um, And I mean, it was incredible to see the way all this came out, except sometimes people were just bringing stuff to get rid of, mm. you know, stuff they wanted to get out of their own house. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I don't, you know, there was just something about that that struck me, um, taking this what should be an act of love of God, Mm -hmm. you know, service to neighbor through love of God. For a selfish motive or... There was even, even in that, in this great opportunity to love those around you, um, people were using it as a selfish way of, you know, oh, we need to get rid of this. I've been meaning to get rid of this anyways. Instead of making true sacrifice. Yeah. You know, like the widow in the Gospels who gave her two nickels or whatever mm-hmm. it was versus the rich man who gave his regular tithe. Yeah. And Jesus said she gave more because she gave out of her poverty. Yeah. Um, she gave what she had to give. Yeah. Not just, ah, here, you know. Sh-. Right. And I, I have a family member who um, who donates their clothing to Goodwill, their excess clothing mm-hmm. to Goodwill. And he's always very conscious about, oh, you know, make sure you get the receipt so that, you know, I can get the tax credit and... No, that's all well and good, but if the motive is to write that off your taxes, then what's really going on? Yeah. And so it's it is all about that intention of why we're doing these things. Yeah. Um, are we doing it to impress people? Are we doing it for money? You know, are we doing it for to clean our house? <laughs> um, Saint Augustine talks about that. That it's that intention. It may look like you're doing a corporal work of mercy, but if the intention is corrupt, then the entire act mm-hmm. is corrupt. Now, that's great. I don't want to interrupt this, but we got to take a little break real fast. You're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Gordon Mott from the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina. So where we left off, we were talking about this idea of authentic giving, right? The... uh, and I think that that was great. I mean, I, it hadn't even occurred to me, Dalton, that you'd have had a, a lived experience of of that kind of a situation. So. I just saw it. I, I mean, I had all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just seeing it, though. Um, okay, well, what about the, the fourth, right? Visiting those in prison. And I think that's a very underlooked one. I mean, there's a there's a big prison ministry... Um, called Kairos, which is active here in Ohio, and they're active in most places. Um, but that's one thing we kind of tend to leave off to other people, right? Is like, oh, well, um, you know, where's your uncle at? Well, he's off in prison. Well, uh, when's the last time you saw him? Oh, about four years ago when he went, right? The uh, Somebody is bad, and like, but it's not that somebody's bad. It's somebody made a mistake. They might have made a bad mistake, but they made a mistake. And... Now they've gone away, but that doesn't make a person permanently toxic ongoing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, um, and I think that is one of the most important corporal works of mercy by virtue of the fact that the average relationship um, between somebody that goes to prison and their significant other will end within four months. Within six months, immediate family stop contacting. And within a year, they've been dropped by everybody. And so here's a person who's deeply, deeply alone, mm-hmm. who's deeply hurting, who made a mistake and maybe thinks that they are bad because they made a mistake or irredeemable because they made a mistake. Yeah. And all the more important because here's a very real, the very authentic instance of a massive internal wound that just kind of gets forgotten because they're kind of out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, also this one, though, this is a hard one. This may be in our, in our society one of the hardest corporal works of mercy just because of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you go in. What's your relationship to the in prison? Mm-hmm. Well, there is no relationship. I just like to see him. Nope, sorry, Chip. Yeah, <laughs> not. 
you know, this this is a just practically this is a hard. One. Well, yeah. so this yeah. is one thing that we're really blessed with in the state of Ohio. Right. The Ohio Bureau of Prisons really does feel very firmly about trying to rehabilitate people. And so all of the major prisons have volunteer coordinators. And so if you have a talent and, you know, if you're good at writing. So the, the lady that wrote Orange is the New Black, that big series. Right. She goes to Marion Correctional Institute huh. just north of us. Uh, and she teaches free writing classes twice a month. Hmm. Um, if you have a talent, you can go and you can help somebody better their life and give of yourself pretty freely. Hmm. So that's the, there, like there's a perception that like there's a barrier to entry. But a lot of states are kind of following this this model. And it's surprisingly easier to, to get into the prisons and just be able to make a difference. Than well, that's that's good to think. hear. Yeah, that's good to hear. And I think um, you, you mentioned this, Gordon, earlier. But you don't have to go out of your house to perform these corporal works of mercy. Sometimes the, these works are at your mm-hmm. feet, especially yeah. with <clears throat> households that have lots of people. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where I'm the oldest of uh, nine children. And so there was always someone to take care of and mm-hmm. someone to love mm-hmm. or that needs you. And, you know, clothing the naked could, you know, boil down to helping your little brother get dressed. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and so... I think it's it's dangerous too to see these corporal works of mercy as uh, like a checklist. Yeah, no, they definitely should not be a checklist. Yeah, and right? like I need to go out and do this and do this and do this. I've done one and two, but I haven't done three and four right. yet. And like, as no. and then at the same time, you're neglecting your own vocation at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of danger, and I think I, I've seen I've seen that in parishes where a lot of people will spend time praying and at church, and that's great, but what's going on at your house no, or even mm-hmm. people who who are doing these works these same works through parish ministry mm-hmm. but not at they're not looking what's back yeah ahead. exactly exactly and so are you know to to take a look at what's going on in your own life and seeing how you need to share you, you need to love where you're called to primarily and that's supposed to spread out to the bigger community the parish you know the, well that's that's exactly this right like it's not a checklist it's like a it's a list of symptoms. If you get a cold, you're not going to get every symptom on WebMD, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't like, know. I <laughs> always have every symptom <laughs> well, there you go. listed for all sorts of terrible illnesses. Yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. To but, self. But <laughs> corporal, the corporal works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy, these are kind of symptoms of you know, a, a well-lived Christian life. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that you have to check all these lists. It's not a to-do list. Yeah. But what it is is that are you really kind of reaching outside of yourself? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that can include family because if our lived perception is that everything is about me and how I feel and what I think and what I want, then sometimes my selfishness, you know, can kind of preclude family. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I got to go on mission. I can't help you with your homework, son. Yeah. Like, no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. help your son with his homework. That is the most important kind of corporal work mercy you can do right now. Mm -hmm. Then go. I think the other the other extreme is also just as prevalent and just as dangerous or or maybe even more dangerous is just entrusting these works of mercy to the church as an institution, mm. not as a people yeah, yeah. Um, or to the government as an institution. Right. You know, that that governmental programs will feed yeah, the hungry yeah. and give drink to the thirsty. Governmental programs will clothe the naked and give yeah. them shelter. Right. Um, and if I donate to this organization, then they'll take care of it. And yeah. it's like a distant. Yeah. Well, and that's a common objection yeah. too, right? It's like, well, I pay my taxes. I I always vote for, you know, the ticket that, you know, supports social causes. And it's like, 
Well, that's good to support social causes, but are you supporting people? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, but I think that's that's a big temptation, especially when we're so busy. Yeah. You know, is to entrust institutions and organizations with these instead of taking personal responsibility as a member of the mystical body of Christ who's called to do these things. I have a my pastor related story kind of related, but uh, he said he grew up with a kid in his school that came from a very wealthy family and for his 16th birthday his dad said he really wanted to go hunting with his dad and his dad just didn't have the time and he said i'm gonna make it up to you and i'll buy you a porsche and so you know this guy was telling my pastor this story and he's like oh well, what ended up happening and his shoulders sagged and he was sad and he's like I-, I got a porsche wow and so that just goes to show that you can't just monetarily like oh i'll do this i'll do this and there's a person behind these organizations mm-hmm. that we're called to contact with in a re- very real personal way so. the corporal works of mercy always make me think of mother Teresa, and you know the, someone asked her i think one of the journalists mother how do you do this deal with the smell the awful smell mm. of rotting dying decaying yeah um <clears throat> to see how awful this looks that it's just dirty how do you do it? She said, when I look at these people, I don't see dirty people. I don't see sick or dying people. I see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And that gets at the heart of charity. That's mm-hmm. charity exemplified, is the is loving God and loving other things for God. And being able to, it's nice to say that little maxim, loving God and loving other things for God. That's all well and good. Yeah. But when it comes down to it and, you know, getting into the dirty streets and picking up people and to be able to hold that ideal personified in a person mm-hmm. um that's what that that's what makes saints ultimately well yeah i mean ultimately it's a decision to to rise above sarcasm right because like it's easy to be sarcastic those people are broken and they have difficulty and i'm busy and mm-hmm. it's like those people need somebody to believe in them and love them just as much as you do when i think too to be willing to risk getting cheated that's something that we're so afraid of doing mm-hmm. right? You know, you're used, you know, you see someone on the corner at a stoplight, you'll roll down and give them a, oh, yeah. you know, some yeah. cash or something mm-hmm. um, so that they can go eat. Or, right. And then you feel like, you know, you hear Did that I this person them, or, yeah. or this person has been running some scam and yeah. all this stuff for however long and you feel cheated. Right. Well, you have to be willing to to be cheated. To make that risk. Yeah, In order exactly. to reach out to help Jesus, you have yeah. to be willing to be cheated. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's, that's an important kind of an aspect too, right? Is like... So long-term homeless people traditionally don't refer to themselves as homeless. They tend to infer, they tend to refer to themselves as a community as invisible. And that's not just in Ohio. I've seen that in Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky. Um, because after, after a while we stop seeing them as people and we start seeing them as problems to be dealt with, or after they start smelling or looking like they're homeless, we tend to avoid eye contact. Right. And so many of the people that I know that have suffered with poverty and homelessness, um, really, one of the kindest things you can do is just stop and have a short conversation with one of them, you know, and this isn't about like, oh, I gave money or, you know, don't give money or like, oh, you you know, it's not about this legalism. This is about like, were you on your way to go get lunch? Can you invite somebody to join you and just have an authentic human conversation that might actually be rewarding, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, Father Jonathan Morris, um, he used to be a a commentator on Fox News, religious uh, news commentator. 
he talks about in one of his books, uh, an encounter like that, that there was a man he would always walk by on his daily walk to work. Um, and finally he kind of just started talking to this guy and, um, you know, for the first time, something more than just good morning or how are you? Um, and then how this developed into a friendship and helping the, the gentleman kind of find himself again and find, um, kind of solid ground to stand on, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, (laughs) I, I feel like in retrospect, it's part of like my, uh, my vocational call, right? Because so when I was seeing my last girlfriend, um, I had gone down for her graduation from, um, from college. She was, uh, studying, uh, speech language pathology and we were planning on spending the day together. And then her mom just kind of shows up out of nowhere and says, Oh, by the way, we're going to have a day of beauty. Um, and so my girlfriend says to me, well, you know, you'll be able to entertain yourself. I know you, you know, you'll find something to do. It'll be okay. And then just bails on me. And so here I am in the middle of a hundred miles of, you know, cornfields and then college. (laughs) And it's like, okay, how am I going to entertain myself for the next 12 hours? And I wound up hanging outside of their library because if anything else fails, books will entertain you. Right. And I met these two homeless guys and I didn't know that they were homeless. They just looked interesting and were having an interesting conversation. And all of a sudden the one kind of stops and he looks at me and says, you know that I'm homeless, right? And I said, okay. And he says, that doesn't really affect you, does it? I said, did that make you more or less interesting? And he smiled. He's like, okay, I like your style. How'd you like to know what it's like to be homeless? And I said, what exactly do you mean by that? And he takes me to the shelter there in town. This little tiny college town still has a, a bad part of town with a homeless shelter in it, right? The, um, and it was this cool little place called Our Community Place. And these guys were sharing with me about their lives, and we were just having a blast. Time flew, you know. And then Elizabeth calls me, and it's it's time to get together. And she says, where are you? I said, I don't really know. And she says, well, where do you think you are? And I said, I don't really know. Hang on, I got to ask. And she's only you. And I said, what? And I asked. So the one guy I'd been hanging out with, his name was John. And he says, our community place. And I started to tell her that. And she says, I heard what he said. Whoa, what's going on here? You know? And she says, we're not going over there. We can't stop over there. And I said, why not? She says, because we'll get murdered. I was like, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. These are a bunch of solid guys. It's okay. Just come out and meet them. And would not, would not. The most embarrassing thing I have ever experienced in my life. I had to ask John to help me walk back toward town because I didn't know the area. And as I'm walking with John, he looks at me and he's really just down crest. He's like, it's all right, man. We're used to it. Oh, crap. You know, the uh, it's so easy how we kind of tend to put our our own uh, mental images on real people that aren't caricatures Mm -hmm. that live in our head, but are real people that are actually hurting. that just need a friend, you know, and it's easy to be sarcastic about the guy that's being sarcastic about you. Yeah, maybe the guy at the corner is running a scam and he's there every single day. That doesn't matter. Ask yourself how many people have actually had an authentic human conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why he's being sarcastic and running scams, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he literally has nobody and thinks, well, if you don't care about me, I might as well rip you all off. Yeah. Now, Gordon, I have to ask, what's a day of beauty? I feel like every day is a day of beauty in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the funniest thing. Um, so her mom had found this spa 
like an hour north of town that apparently involves getting your hair done and makeup did. Okay, so, like, so Jonathan, no, is, is, it is exactly what you thought it was. <laughs> well, you know, I could probably no, no, call no, her no. and I could get you the number. You can make an appointment. Yeah. No, no. I thought it was like reading poetry and like, you know. And <laughs> oh, the only transcendental you. beauty. All the, all the transcendental beauty. <laughs> only you. God love you. Art. Um, yeah. That kind of takes us to the next, I think, corporal work of mercy, <coughs> visiting the sick. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably one of the things we think of doing the most, you know, of your elderly grandparents yeah. or aunts and uncles, mother, father. We have an apostolic, yeah. right? right? Yeah. Going, Going to, to the, the hospital. hospital. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, and I think probably one of the most profound is burying the dead. Yeah. Reminder of death and, you know, well, I mean, even in, uh, was it, uh, like ancient mythology with Antigone, mm-hmm. you know, and all those Greek, um, yeah. this idea of res- like, Respecting um, your family through, well, and giving them a proper proper burial—that's a very ancient idea. When so. it shows, I think, too, the continuity from life to death, that there's still significance to these bodies. Yeah, yeah. They deserve to be taken care of yeah. um, respectfully, not uh, just yeah. tossed. And as Christians, we believe in the resurrection of the dead, so respecting the body mm-hmm. in that way. So, mm-hmm. well, and I think that there's a lot of, of profundity. In like the the interrelatedness of some of this, right? Like, so feeding the hungry, you know, who are oftentimes embarrassed about their their ability to to provide for themselves, right, mm-hmm. and for their family. Um, same thing with clothe the naked. You know, somebody can't afford a good winter coat. It's it's embarrassing. Um, there's a a school that I drive by sometimes. Um, that it's overwhelmingly poor families and so there's a local organization that gives them winter coats and that's great but they're all the same color and they're a very abnormal color for coats and so everybody knows those are the poor kids from the poor school because of the color Mm -hmm. right so like so there's a lot of embarrassment that these people are dealing with or humiliation or isolation visiting the sick you know we don't like to visit the sick right the same reason we don't like to visit the imprisoned because it makes us uncomfortable same reason we don't like dealing with the homeless because it makes us uncomfortable, right? And we forget that sometimes these people have been deprived of the the live reality, authentic Christian identity, which is that they are beloved. They're not a problem to be dealt with, you know? And so here's these poor people feeling like life support systems for diseases. And meanwhile, we just need to go visit and say hi. So anyway, so that wraps up our show. We were hoping to talk about some more, but I guess that just means that we're going to have more show ideas which is great. Thank you for joining us for today's Seminarian Show. You can hear the show every Saturday at 11.30 a.m. and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.